0: On the Inside Story podcast, I'm bringing you some of the best stories I'm discovering from both the women inside of my community, as well as from around the streets of the internet. Plus, I'm digging deep to share some of my own stories with you along the way. My hope is that these stories will help encourage you to examine your own story so that you can share it with other people. I have a motto at Light Beamers. When we share our stories, we shine a light. So with that in mind, let's get down to business today and share the light found in this episode. Hello, 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 everyone. Welcome to the Inside Story podcast. I'm your host, April Adams Pertwee, and I am literally just like, I don't know, peeing in my pants. So excited about this episode today. I'm really, really excited about this interview. I have been connected with my guest today um, solely through Instagram, and yep. we've kind of just been following along a little bit. And finally, I ordered her book and sat down and read her book in about a day and a half max. It was so good. It took my breath away. It's a story that is almost kind of hard to believe when you are going to hear the journey that this amazing woman has been on. So, I mean, if you are really you want to hear a great story, you're in for one today. My guest today is Jamie Conselman and her story really does start in the strip clubs of America. How's that for a headline? Um, and how did she get from the strip clubs of America? to the top of some sales organizations of some very well-known companies um, in America to now being an executive coach and helping others in their journey. So Jamie, I cannot wait to dig in. Of course, I know your story after having read your book called Dealmaker, but I am so excited about having you on the show today.
1: What a fantastic intro. And just, I would say I'm honored to be here and so excited um, just to have this conversation with you. I have learned so much from you, As you said, through Instagram, um, so get to get to talk to you live now is super exciting. Thank you. It
0: is super fun. It's one of those moments where you know, a lot of people can appreciate this. You know, we all have our social media, and we have people that follow us, and we have people that we follow back, and we appreciate each other's content. But if you've never, you know, like a lot of people used to, never had a real conversation with, and so. This is our first chance to have a real conversation. We've had a few chats, you know, digitally in the Instagram DMs, but this is our first time talking. And again, I feel like I do feel like I know you now because I read your book called Dealmaker and it was just um I guess I want to just start there, you know, the, with that headline of like how does someone like Jamie Conselman find themselves in the life of working in some of America's greatest strip clubs? Uh, how did you get your, get into the world of being a stripper? I mean, that alone right there is like a juicy place to start because that's not where you are now. And it's a right. huge journey that you've been on over the last 25 years.
1: It is. Thank you. Um, I don't believe a lot of people get into that line of work at being planned. Uh, right. and I was one, I was one of them. Um, So if I give you the context, I was a super smart kid, but very um, bored um, and challenged in school socially. So my parents thought, hey, let's let's help her get to college Will there be more classes, more students. So I graduated high school at 16. um, But there's a little pitfall in that problem. When you send a 16 year old out to a massive university and they have no social skills, no study skills, no book skills. Right. Um, it was a bit of a recipe for a disaster. So within about two and a half years, I had overloaded on classes and was uh, failing out pretty miserably. And part of that came with losing my college scholarship. And so a um, college professor, rolling well, my TA and her husband, um, were like, "That's okay. We can help you. We know you need money." Um, and they took me to my first strip club uh, on amateur night, and sort of the rest was history. Right? I don't. Um, I'm not somebody in life who does something small. I've always been that go-all-in type, right? And so if you think, you know, precocious teenager who needed money and suddenly was in Pandora's box of more money than I could imagine, that world was sort of my foray into my first step to financial freedom, but initially with the intention of accelerating through my undergrad to get to vet school, to be. Uh, perfectly transparent, right? Like that was the goal. That was the goal, right? That's what it was, Um, you know, but I got sort of sucked in and went on a little bit of a wild ride. um, And here we are today.
0: That was one of the things when I first started reading your book, because I I, I knew like I had looked at your Instagram, obviously we were connected already and I knew there was the story there, you know, but I didn't know the whole story until I started reading the book. And when I first started reading, I thought, oh, she probably... I know you had been a stripper, but I'm thinking, oh, it was probably like a month long stint, you know, or maybe even a year long stint. But it, I don't know how long exactly you were a stripper. But what I found when I started reading the book was like, okay, yeah, you kind of stumbled in by, beca- you know, going on amateur night and going, hey, I could use a few extra hundred bucks to try to, try, to try to pay for school. And you, you achieve that right away. But you, like you said, you're someone who likes to go big and you go all in you didn't just kind of hang out in your local strip club and make money for college. You actually became kind of like a superstar in the industry. You became what I learned now is called like a featured dancer who travels right. around. You yep. traveled around. You were kind of like the celebrity. You had, you even had like um, t shirts and mugs yeah. with your name. And like people were buying merchandise that had your name on it, you know, like. Like you really went all in on developing oh, yeah. as a stripper and being known and, you know, gaining notoriety in that space.
1: Yeah. So it's sort of a backdoor, right? Yes, you're right. I was dancing for money, but my personality to go all in, I really had the good fortune of meeting one of my first mentors, right? I didn't know it at the time that that's what that was called, but mm-hmm. I met, you know, North America's most published centerfold at the time. And when I met her, she was self-made, right? She was building a 7,000 square foot home on a golf course in Atlanta. And she had built this business and brand around her with you know, merchandise as a revenue stream with everything from golf towels to hats to calendars. And I took one look at that and I was like, I'm gonna be a star. Um, Cause in this really unique way, like I had been a kid that was really into singing and dancing and musical theater. And that first childhood was dream was Broadway. Well, when, you know, and and an agent once upon a time just told me like, hey, kid, you don't have it. You're not pretty enough. You're not talented enough. Like, no. So while I never told my parents that when I went off to college, I decided I would never sing and dance again. Um, And if you think of that had been my not only creative outlet, but my coping mechanisms, all my in my youth without that outlet, it was gone. So while I never would have imagined sort of rekindling that meeting a headliner who was making a ton of money and having a ton of fun with custom wardrobes and theme shows and learning there was a pageant circuit in this backwards way. It sort of allowed me to get back to an aspect of myself that i had been passionate about a long time ago in this very non-traditional setting. Oh, and by the way, then it fuels my desire to be financially free by a young age.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I could definitely see as I was reading the book how, you know, one thing did feed the other kind of some of that interest that you had as a kid, that things that you were really good at fed, you know, fed that place that you had found in kind of the underbelly of, of America, right? Like these strip clubs and dancing and, and, you know, a lot of sexual things that were happening. I mean, just stuff that you were being exposed to that, you know, came along with the package, right? Just came yeah. along with the package. Um, one of the things that I appreciated as you were sharing your story was, uh, just that how you kind of like eventually transitioned like I, I, to realize, you know, I, I got to get myself out of this, you know, like there were a couple of times where you were like, okay, I'm, I'm going to be done. Right. That's right. But, but that type of world, and, and especially that time of money, right. And there was like a phrase that you used over and over in the book, like money is, is freedom and freedom is power or something like that. Like yeah. money, is power. money is power, money is power. And it is, we all know that, like, we know that Money plays a huge role in all of our lives. And you were making a crap load of, mo- load of money, right? Like it was yeah. so much money. So how, talk a little bit about that start, stop, start, stop about like, I tried to get out, but then you would get sucked back in yeah. Can you, a little bit about that, you know, cause I, I, the reason I want to share that is like, it's important for everyone to think about their own journey. Like That's we right. don't just like snap our fingers and figure it out. Like we wobble a little bit, we fall down You know, we get our, 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 our nose bloody, you know, and we, we make some mis, some missteps or we go backwards, we go forward, go backwards, but eventually, you know, you did find your way out, but talk about that wobbling a little
1: bit. Sure. Like I genuinely believe holistically in the esoteric sense, like every step you take in your life and your career journey is divinely intended to help you grow further into yourself. Right. So first thing I want to offer is it would be so easy to look back at my life and say, oh, young girl, you know, wrong mentors, got off track and got back. And I don't view it that way. Like Mm -hmm. the, the communication skills, the socialization, the business foundation that I got to build in that world was sort of like this Petri dish where it was safe to experiment. And, And it's a gift that I don't think a lot of people get, right? You talk about that, your words were trial and error and failing and maybe failing forward and trying these things. I got that in this world in this really unique way. And I don't know that I could have gotten those lessons in any other way. And so for me, though, at the same time, you know, I had enough smarts as a kid to see like, hey, this is a train on a dead end track. Like this will not be for my, my forever. I always knew it was temporary. Um, but it is hard. I, I equate it to, you know, I know folks today who are cocktail servers, Hairdressers, massage therapists, personal trainers. That when you are in a business where you live by cash, whatever that is, you know there are there's a lifestyle that goes with that, and fast cash is hard to leave. And so mm-hmm. I know for me, even back in the day, while I knew it was temporary, you know, to be a kid and be able to make six figures cash part time, right? Um, having not come from a financially affluent family or background, um, it's sort of like the keys to the kingdom, and so how, how do you find your way out? And for me, there was a couple of different things. I was a rigorous saver, right? Yes. Like I would write down what I made and then yeah, I love that you,
0: you talk about in the book, like every night you would write down in your journal, how much you made and you were yeah. tracking it, which I love, like as a business owner, you're, you know, you now know, like, right. right. Like that's a huge piece to running a business and, you know, being right. a leader and managing your money. Was that, and also that you started in like an E-Trade account and you started saving, you actually started saving it, you know? Yeah,
1: 1999, I had an E-Trade account. Yep. And I would have to take the cash to the local bank, right? And sort it in the machine and figure out how much what it was and put it in and and do all the things. But also because of the, like, when you have that much cash coming in, the commitment I made to myself was as long as I stayed in that world, I had to learn and grow. Like that was the bargain I made with myself. And so I got to spend my days taking workshops, going to Barnes and Nobles and reading all the books Mm -hmm. and- can't remember which book it was, it was maybe the richest band in Babylon or one of the old older books about money habits, then I would try to practice those habits, right? And so I feel like that time in my life gave me this space and freedom to focus on myself that not everybody gets, right? I, you know, in the corporate world today, I have a lot of peers that have, you know, did the college and then got married and then had children and they're the breadwinner. And here they are in their 40s, 50s, 60s. And they haven't had that time of exploration, right? They haven't gotten to build those things for themselves. And so um, kind of to circle back to the initial question you asked about how did I get out? It was a process right? Mm -hmm. of practicing, right? Okay, I'm gonna go get Mm -hmm. another job and I'm gonna do these things. Um, But I also had a wake up call one day. I had a very close friend take a stand for me. I didn't have that language back then. But she basically was one of my closest friends um, early 20s who was also a dancer had a couple of kids and one day she just said enough like i can't be your friend anymore like you're in this world that i have no choice like i want my kids to go to private school i don't have a degree i don't have a husband like this is my path and 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 she kind of verbally smacked me in the face to say like hey like you got a good brain like you're in college like get the hell out of here you're never leave and it really rattled me to my core she made the stand that she wasn't going to be my friend or be my life anymore. And as somebody who didn't have a lot of close friendships as a kid and had this hunger for those kinships, for one of my closest friends to say like, hey, I can't do this anymore with you. Like I remember went home that night and could, or morning, right, 4 a.m., mm-hmm. not being able to sleep and, and realizing, oh my God, she's right. Like if I don't draw that line in the sand and get out, I never will. Um, and I was very lucky that Sometimes I feel like in my life, when I get crystal clear on what I want, the universe conspires. So when I went to work the next day, basically every regular business customer that I had had, I had this conversation with about like, hey, this is my last night. And suddenly I had job offers from a mortgage company, from a startup. And and, you know, 25 years later, that was my last night, right? Um, And it was guided by different things, sometimes just proving people wrong. There was a saying that a lot of, strip club owners and managers would have they'd say girls leave but they always come back
0: mm-hmm,
1: mm-hmm. Uh, and I used to tell myself one day I'm going to walk out the door and I'm going to never come back unless I'm a customer right like that was sort of my little <laughs>
0: little unless thing in I want to be you there not,
1: right I want to be there right unless I'm buying, <laughs> popping bottles um, and so for me some of those foundational things and I was very lucky right I found mentors and people that helped me on that next path um, but the reality is until I published that book this was a secret for over 20 years
0: yeah. Yeah. And that's, you know, that was the thing too, was that the, by telling the story and I we'll, we'll get there in a minute, but like telling the story of this, of this story by writing the book really did allow like a whole different world that you now live in now to see that's you right. for, for everything that you are, but I, we're going to go there. I definitely want to talk about that, but there's something that I wanted to ask you kind of backing up, which was, well, not really ask you, but kind of point out that I also found fascinating about that stage of your life, right? The stage Mm -hmm. of your life when you were in the strip clubs. So not only did you learn a lot about business and you got really smart, I mean, you were clearly always really smart, but reading the books, paying attention to who your customers were, finding out who were the mortgage bankers, who were the ones, how did they make their enough money where they were spending, you know, thousands and thousands of dollars a night in a strip club. Those, those men had to have had jobs that, right. you know, afforded that type of lifestyle. So you started, as you said, when you decided that was going to be your last night, I'm going to go to those customers and say, what are you doing? How can I do what you do instead of this anymore? And you, right. you you just found new mentors to help you get out of the business. The other thing that I found fascinating about the, your story was more from just like a personal exploration of who you are at your core. Um, I've always heard this and, you know, I've, I've I've had a career of interviewing people. So I've interviewed people that have worked in strip clubs before. And, um, you know, I, I always knew that it was just kind of like a really kind of, you know, from a, from a sexuality place, like just a, a place where people were just exploring all kinds of stuff. Right. Like, I mean, right. as you can imagine, that was kind of a, a feeding ground for that. For you, I found from my take on your story is that, it might've been a blessing in disguise, right? That you were there to allow you to discover who you were in terms That's of, it. you know, who did you want to be with you? And it naturally, uh, in the, in the business and this, is what I'd love for you to kind of share with our audience is like, it was a lot of, um, girl on girl, uh, kind of acts that you guys would do in the clubs, right? Yeah. Like that was kind of like a normal thing, yeah. but it really allowed you to discover, what it is you really wanted in a partner and in a mate for life, you know, outside right. of clubs. So would you talk a little bit about that? Because I found that another really interesting thing. Like, huh, I wonder how else you would have discovered that about yourself had you not. I'm sure you would have. But I mean, yeah, Anna was a a place where that was discovered for you. It seemed like.
1: Well, I would say it was a place where it was safe to explore. To explore but that part of my journey, my coming out, and coming to terms with, or figuring out what is my sexual identity and what do I want in a partner. I mean, my goodness, that was like a ten or twelve year journey, right? If I, I imagine, at- yeah, right. <laughs> you know, for some catering
0: people- to men, right? You know, but you know, having all these women around you, right?
1: And so, um. I mean, it was definitely a big thing um, in the strip clubs, um, and it was just fun, right? I mean, I was a really curious kid. I was 18, 19 years old, um, and yeah, it was sort of like just hanging out with your best friends, and then all of a sudden, you throw in champagne, and everyone's making out, and I thought it was great, and it took me a little while to realize not everybody thought it was great. I thought it was great, Um, but then it kind of became my thing, right? Like, I could be just since communication was tough for me, right? You add a little bit of alcohol and you add very intelligent, you know, businessmen often that are maybe a little bit of lonely or, or going there to fulfill something for themselves. And I got this really cool opportunity to just be as honest in the human world as about feelings and thoughts and just conversations that up until that point, I'd only ever had in my journal. Right. Mm -hmm. And so um, it gave me a place to kind of practice that authenticity muscle of having a thought, having a feeling and getting the courage to share it. And within that, inevitably, by at some point within this journey of dancing, it was always like, well, I think she's cute. And I think she's cute. And right. They're like, well, great. We'll take you all to the champagne room. Right. And, and, but it was about me. It was very, very different. Um, and the irony is, you know, when I finally came out and just figured out like, hey, I want a girlfriend and a wife and I don't care the labels because of all of the just dynamics around that um, and have, you know, stayed in touch with pe- women and friends that I had from that time in my life. They're like, well, duh. And everyone knew it, which is the I like the the thing that was the hardest for me to figure out. Right. Like we all have our own hearts. Like mm-hmm. that was my heart. Right. Like that was the. I'm going to analyze myself to death and read all the books, and I can fix this, and all of these things that I thought I needed to do. And all I needed to do was give myself permission to follow my heart, um, and sort of let the rhetoric kind of fall away. And the irony is, those that are closest to you knew it the, the entire time, right? right and so it's right. kind of funny. But yeah, yeah it wasn't, was it wasn't a
0: surprise to them, but it was a it wasn't surprise to you. <laughs> surprise
1: <laughs> right to me, right? And they're like, oh, right. right. Have these emotional conversations where you're crying, and people are looking at you like, oh, you really didn't know that, huh? Everyone else did.
0: Yeah. I mean, it's just fascinating. I think it was like a real case study of like, what can happen, you know, in that crazy world of, of working in a strip club. And it wasn't something I was expecting. That was another kind of surprise of your story, which I didn't know. Cause again, I don't know you that well. So I was like, Oh, I had no idea. I didn't know you were gay. I didn't know. So seeing how that kind of unfolded for you as your reader, right. Mm-hmm. I was like, Oh my gosh, it makes so much sense. You know, like, and also I could just see like, too, we just like, I don't know. It's like a lot of crazy men out there. And there was a lot of like advances made on you that were not welcomed and that you did not invite. And and a lot of different ways, both inside the clubs and outside the clubs. And it's like, I don't know. At one point I was like, well, my gosh, no wonder you're gay. Like I wouldn't want to be with those (laughs) men either. You know? I mean, literally because I was just like, gosh, you know, it's just, and as a woman, I mean, we've all felt that whether we're gay or not, like we've all had those advances made. I mean, you know, we've all been you know, subject to a lot of, um, you know, unwelcomed, uh, I don't even know what the word is, but you know, like just advances yeah. made sexual innuendos, suggestive behavior, yeah. you know, uh, situations that did not make us feel comfortable. And in many cases did not make us feel safe. You experienced all that too, right? You experienced yeah. all that too, for sure. So, um, but yeah, I, just, do, I, mean, I
1: didn't mean to talk over, it, but I'm also going to say like, most people would make stereotypes and think like all the negative. I also had this really beautiful journey of male mentors and friends that I met in that world that, and, and, and it, my friends used to joke, right? They would be like, you meet all the really wealthy, handsome, kind guys that just want a girlfriend. And I'm just never into them because I was gay and I didn't know it. Right. And, and so, um, I just like to point that out because it's, it's counterintuitive to what a lot of people would think about stereotypical strip club customers, right? Like yeah, there's a lot of, right. you know, the language around, oh, it's bad and it's malicious and all of these things, right? When I found, and I'm sure there's some of that there, and maybe I was just very lucky, but I also met a lot of really good people, people I'm still in touch with today, right? Like who've got real jobs, editors of magazines and, you know, CXOs of Fortune 500 companies, right? Um, so it's just... I just think it's a um, a neutral ground where people go to explore, right? And just like in the, and the population is big enough, just like you can find people, you know, every day in the grocery store who might have bad intentions, you'll find a subset of that there, but it's not necessarily everyone.
0: Yeah. I think that's, you know, very fair of you to point that out, you know, because that was not your experience at all. And, yeah. you know, to what you were talking about earlier, when it was time for you to really, truly, you know, say goodbye to that world. You had people that helped you get out. I mean, you yeah. had a lot of those men who were friends and you had their cell phones. I mean, you you could text them and say, I need something. And and yeah. they they helped, they're like, come come interview. I'll I'll set you up with an interview tomorrow. And that happened, you know, very quickly yeah. for you. And so talk about like then how did you then make that transition into corporate America? Um, you know, when I first realized you you lived in Vegas. My assumption was like, oh, well, she worked in strip clubs, so that's how she got to Vegas. That's actually not at all how you got to Vegas, which I found so interesting when I found, you know, read your story.
1: Well, I'm well, I'm somebody when I make up my mind, I really make up my mind, right? And and it wasn't just that I wanted out and the stand my friend took for for me. It was sort of a series of events. One of those being I was graduating with my associate's degree, right? And and I had read Dale Carnegie's Making Friends and Influencing People. And one of the pillars in there was get a mentor. And so I kind of looked around and I said, okay, well. Cause I had promised myself I would get out of the adult industry when I got my degree. And then I decided to break it into an associates and then a four-year degree to give myself small milestones because I knew the four years seemed crazy long at that age, right? Like I could get through two years, I could commit the two years. And so it was this sort of sequence of events. And and you know, the night after my friend took a stand for me and I just kind of walked downstairs to work and I said, This is the last night, it really was the last night. And so I decided that night I didn't care about making money. I was going to ask every sort of regular that I had, or every regular that I knew came through that had some kind of business job, that seemed self-made in some way, like who they were, the questions from the book, who they were, how they got there, and would they mentor me? Um, and by the end of the night, I had a half a dozen job offers. Like that was not what I was expecting, right? Um, and so the next day, I went an interview for a tech startup. They had just got their first Series B funding, and. Uh, they gave me a job. They said, well, you know, we'll pay you 12 bucks an hour. You'll be a sales and research assistant. Um, I think they capped my hours at like, you know, part-time 20 hours a week. Uh, and I had a pilot. It was cash not at
0: all sales. the money you were used to making. No.
1: Um, you know, and I was going to buy an apartment in Manhattan, uh, but it was co-op condo laws were kind of tough with non-provable income. And so I told myself, well, I would use that money to invest uh-huh. in myself um and I never danced again and so part time soon turned to full time I went all in working for the startup and was just really lucky and grateful that they gave me a space to learn yeah um you know so it's one of the early employees and these guys had founded you know hotjobs.com and sold it to Yahoo for half a billion dollars in the 90s right and this was a vertical change but the same technology platform our similar two-way database for the hotel casino industry and after a few months, I had read a sales book and it said, you know, if you want to sell, you have to go talk to people and face to face was the best. And I'll never forget this. I went into the founders and I was like, you know, you guys are paying me part time. I'm working full time. I get and they were giving me stock. Like we started negotiating on, OK, well, you can't pay me more. Can you give me equity kind of thing? Um, and I went in there. And said, hey, I just finished this book. It said the best way to sell is to go talk to people. And, you know, you're paying these full time sales guys and all they do is email. Um, I want to I want to talk to customers. Right. And they a phone out and suddenly he's on sales and i was like oh my god what do i do so i went bought another book it said well you write a script and you practice and after a few months of not making it very far i went back into their office again and said you know what if like i went out to las vegas because we're trying to sell it software a service into casinos and picked up the house phone right like then i'd be there then i could say hey can we grab coffee or do it nobody said anything um, so I took that as my cue. It was a bad idea. I went back to my desk and what the founder did is went to, you know, travel, Amex travel agency, came back with a one-way ticket to Las Vegas and put it on my desk and said, Hey, okay, kid, go to Vegas and don't come back to you, sell something. Um, so wow. I did, I started cold calling up and down the strip and got, you know, some enterprise customers for the first time, um, for this, you know, tech startup. And that was in like the late nineties. Um, and I, the irony is that my career path took all different turns Um, And then during the Great Recession out here in 2007, I'd finally then finished with a four-year degree. I got laid off four times in five years, um, which seems, again, like a challenge, but it gave me an opportunity to accelerate my career uh, and to make things full circle. I then got an enterprise-level kind of sales job for the first time in technology services. And I'm 100% convinced that that foundation of six years at that tech startup made that. um, Sure. So it's kind of interesting how we can take all of these different turns or things people would make as mistakes, but I think they all build on each other to get you on your right path. Um, And I've been in, you know, managed services, IT outsourcing ever since. Working for one of the casinos, is that right? Uh, Working on the outside. So what's interesting is uh, I did work at the Luxor um, as part of MGM in the casinos, but that was one of the last layoffs. And then what it taught me was, you know, there's a lot of people who sell into big hotels and casinos, mm-hmm. but because of the business dynamics in Vegas, hotel casino gaming is a little bit niche different industry. It's regulated like finance, right? Um, Las Vegas is a tough t- town to hire people in. And so yeah. all of these factors worked really well in my advantage because I'd learned I could sell, I could do account management. I lived here locally. I had the right contacts. Um, so just in that very short time period of, of those layoffs, was able to get about a you know 10x increase in my earnings by leveraging all of these different factors um, into what ultimately has become a career path that I didn't even know existed.
0: That's amazing. That I mean, it's just again like that is step by step how you navigated. And I, I, I mean, I can imagine like, did you see that coming? Did you see no. that that's how no. you were going to get out of the industry? But what I love about you is is really truly i can sense both by reading the book and now talking with you just like you're laser focused you know Mm. you're like i'm gonna do it i'm gonna figure it out and this is what's gonna happen and i and i say that to you know like people that i get the chance to mentor and the people that i get the chance to work with is it's always about action right? right action moves you forward And sometimes it moves you forward in a direction like, whoops, that was, you know, forward, but not maybe I went a little to the left, but it still moved you forward. Right. And that is exactly, it's like one foot in front of the other, one foot in front of the other. And eventually you get so far removed from that strip club and here you are finding yourself having success and you're able to navigate challenges in the market and, you know, navigate those layoffs to leverage for better, you know, like right. a lot of people say, oh, it's negative that I got laid off. It was a positive for you. You allowed it to be something that you could leverage and and create an opportunity out of.
1: When well, did totally you- and I'm sorry. I, th- I think that lives with the person, right? I remember yeah. when I went to coaching school, one of the, co- they gave us this gift at the end. It's a rock and it's still it's still in my bedroom. On one side, it says- you know, challenge and on the other side is opportunity. So I think mm-hmm. we we get to look at that, right? You just said, you know, getting laid off. Yes, it can be hard, right? Because of the bills and the stress and the, all of these things, right? It's ranked up there among some of the top five hardest things that people face in their lives.
0: For sure.
1: But when you turn that rock over and you realize, right? Or I believe within every seed of disappointment is a seed for something equal or greater, right? But that that's, it's just a perspective switch.
0: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, that is... Always the positive, the negative, you have a choice which way you're gonna look at it, right? That's right. A lot of people could look at your story and and choose to see your story as seedy and gross and negative and yeah. like you know, the underbelly of everything. And that's a choice, like that's a choice. But that was another thing that I really appreciated about your book was that at no point do you write about some sort of like apology, like. Hmm. You're you're not apologetic at all about those choices you made as a young, young girl, still really 16, 17, 18 years old. Um, you know, like there was never a moment in your book where you're like, Oh, I really, you know, I really regret those choices. Like Mm -hmm. you saw all along the way. Well, you were constantly making positive out of something, right. Making the opportunity out of the rock that was dealt you at that time and i actually thought at the end i'm like wow that's pretty amazing you know mm, a lot of people you. would have written a book like this and to kind of cover their bases
1: mm-hmm. right from
0: a from a uh credibility like you know saving your sure. career kind of thing yeah it's it's to say you know some sort of apology be apologetic in some way like oh yeah that was a really crazy time in my life really <laughs> really do kind of want to put that behind me And in the way you wrote your book was not at all apologetic, which I just applaud you as a woman to do that, honestly. Thank you very much. You know, that is, that that takes guts. (laughs) So I know that that was something I would like to talk about the book now, you know, like your choice to write the book and your choice to put this story out there after you now have built this career, um, you know, now starting coaching, have your coaching going as well. You, you know, building yourself up as an entrepreneur while also, you know, you know, continuing to to run your corporate world and ha- continue to have amazing success. I mean, you are you. very successful, you know, very accomplished in the world that you live in. Um, you know, like you said, you've got the million dollar house that you got to pay for and all that. And this could have been, you mm-hmm. know, a really scary thing to put this story out there. Cause like a lot of people think, oh my gosh, this is going to, This is going to be that career suicide if I tell people my story. And that's why a lot of people don't tell their story is because they are so worried about what other people are going to think. And I'm sure you felt that, right? I'm sure you felt that at some point.
1: 100%, right? For a long time, um, you know, and the first time I had the courage to confide in somebody at my employer who had a chief diversity title, because there was a diversity day coming up. And I was like, oh, I've done this year long speaker program. I'm going to publish a book. Maybe she's a safe person. I can tell. She looked at me and said, you can never tell that story. It'll ruin your career. Like, we can't wow. handle that here. Um, and I did wow. take that to heart and put the, you know, manuscript in the drawer for a while. Um, you know, and then it wasn't until COVID when I was, you know, sitting on one of those, you know, little bikes and, and doing a workout um, by somebody, again, I've only interacted with on social media, but she has this whole uh, series on on a, on a spin bike about what are your dreams and, and growing into them. And so it kind of reawoke for me, like, I've always dreamed of publishing books, of, of taking, you know, writing's a tool for me, and it mm-hmm. helps me process. And so from a very early age, I kept journals. I knew that one day I would publish books. Um, I've written, at that point, I'd written three and published none. Mm-hmm. And I, in, you know, on the spin bike, as you do, where I can solve the world's problems, I started to, to think about how fake it felt to realize i coach people on there is no shame in walking a different path that makes you who you are but yet i had my manuscripts you know hidden in my sock drawer like that was out of integrity i mean
0: the story itself was kind of hidden i mean you weren't telling the story to people Uh, there was a story you shared in the book about you know with your in your corporate world maybe it was around the diversity um you know we'd like it was lgbt mm-hmm. thing. And like, everybody go, like, you kind of had to raise your hand. Like, wh- where do you identify? And you're like, Oh my gosh. I mean, I have to, like, if I'm going to be authentic, I'm like, I've got to identify right. with this group of people. And you did. And it was like, so scary. Right. And so there was, Petrifying. and then you were like, it you told someone at some point like, hey, I, I, you know, there was a whole lifetime ago where I, I worked in adult entertainment, and this person was like, I've known you for ten years, and I did not <laughs> know this about you because yeah. you were keeping that story in that dark corner, holding on to it. What I always say is letting that story have power over you. That's right. Instead That's exactly of harnessing right. the power of sharing that story in a positive way.
1: One hundred percent, right? And and right. Love Brenny Brown and all her quotes, but a few of them were about sharing your story, and I was like, mm, I don't like those, right? And so, <laughs> in hindsight, right? <laughs> yeah, no, we just don't like that one. But but you're exactly right. Like no one knew. The only people I would tell were somebody I decided I was seriously interested in when we dated. That was it. Nobody knew. Not my closest friends. Not. Um, And even though I'd go to all these fun little workshops about personal growth, like that was, I had made myself my promise that I would never tell any soul about my past, but yet I also wrote the book. So you can, you can see how there was this red crumbs. Deep
0: down, I always say this, deep down, that story will find its way into the light, whether you want it to come into the light or not. Like these stories, we we are not in control. We cannot smush them down oh. and cover them up with a lid and just pretend like they're not there. They well, will yeah. come out, whether you like it or not. And it may make you sick in the process. It may, it may really cause a lot of havoc mm-hmm. in your life. So oh, sure you know, might as well learn Take sooner control. than later, right? How yeah. to how to really use that story in a positive way.
1: Well, so. I can see, I can see that you're, 100%. you can see it
0: now, of course, yeah, well, I, can, yeah. I can
1: see it now. But I also knew for years in my career, I was at a career plateau, right. And 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 truthfully, like, I kind of always thought, like, I'd get that, you know, vice president title, and then I could publish the book, because I was already a leader, mm. I was already a leader on paper, right. And 12 years, yeah, it was the first of my friends to make like senior director. And then 12 years, like, no matter what I did, right, I did all the things that you would think you do, you build the brand, you get mentors, you volunteer, like, I was just not getting to that next level. And the irony of the whole thing was, but I also never really felt seen no matter how, like mm-hmm. I had this whole internal story or monologue around no matter how hard I tried, to be sees me. Well, of course, no one sees you. You're, you're hiding a part of your life, right? It you're was not being fully authentic. not yeah. being fully authentic. And when I finally decided to publish the darn book, I really believed I would ruin my career. Um, probably 90 days before. And, and, and then I had, then once I can't remember who's, but some, a friend or a mentor said, Yeah, you've got the book, and you're 90 days from publishing, but you haven't told anybody, Mm -hmm. right? You got. I'm like, well, no, I post some. I did an Instagram post, boom, boom, right, (laughs) and and then put the phone away and didn't respond to anybody's text because I knew people were going to start talking, right? And 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 what was really interesting is what helped me find my brave in these 90 days was there was a there was a team of young people that was going to get cut from the organization I was at inside sales, like their new career starters. And I had the tip that they were got this whole group was going to be cut, about 17 of them. And what I realized is you know their leader who was a friend of mine was incredibly smart, but she didn't quite understand the nuances of our business. So she couldn't really help them. And I remember going to her and saying, like, look, I just want to coach and train. Yeah, I'm a deal lead and all of these things. I don't want your job, but let me help you save them, save their jobs. They need that. And and I said, I, I kind of have a really crazy idea, but you don't know my backstory. But I used to be an adult entertainer and I want to share that with, I want to practice sharing. I have a keynote and all these things that I've never done. I want to share it with these kids that are in this early part of their career to demonstrate, like if I can, because at the time I was doing the largest deals in the company, contracts hundred million dollars up, right? Like an elite deal lead. Um, And so if I can share with them, that this is the journey that I've been on. Maybe it will help them get through the hard part because outsourcing is tough, right? It's got about an 80% attrition rate, a three-year lifespan as a career. It takes a lot to make it. And she's like, Oh my God, I had no idea. That'd be great. And so while I was petrified the safeness of this early career group, I slowly started sharing my story. Right. And and Mm -hmm. then leaning in more to that. And then they became my supporters, um, Like, hey, you got to go talk here. There's this event. You got to tell other people. Um, And when I volunteered to share something, it wasn't always about the adult entertainment piece. It became about, okay, well, here's some personal growth tools that helped me that I had kept separate from the corporate career because it's, you know, Jamie hippie stuff or Jamie, right? Like workshoppy stuff, not really a space in corporate America, but they would all, all these juniors would come to these calls because I was afraid nobody would show up. And what started happening is we started getting this following right what was 30 people in the beginning was 300 people mm. a couple couple of virtual sessions later because we were because I was being authentic and I was sharing tools with people in a very tough work environment that they hadn't had before and then of course one day I said uh and so today is the last one and I'm publishing a book and this is what it's going to be about right and then hit you know and end on teams um and all of a sudden got this sort of flurry of support but was pretty sure I was going to lose my job right like i was moving money around, like, how am I going to pay this mortgage for the next six months? And it was in those next couple of weeks that I ended up getting promoted. And then first I took over the inside sales team when that had left. And then I took over business development. And then I'm suddenly I'm running, you know, a 50 person organization. And so th- and this was within you know 30 days of publishing my book. And so it's so ironic that the thing I was most afraid of, right, not only helped and, and the thing I wanted were so deeply integrated but I had to find the courage, right? That was part of the first question is how do I step through that was mm-hmm. integrity's big to me, right? And when I realized I was out of integrity with my own belief system, I had to be trust in that the universe would catch me. Mm-hmm. You know, and there's a really great interview with Ellen DeGeneres from when she came out, right? Mm-hmm. And how that really kind of torpedoed her career for a while. Sure did, right. right. Um, and I just thought like, I want to be that brave. Like I want to stand up and be who I am and see what happens. Cause I realized like if the career ends, that's okay. I'm a certified coach. I have another dream of coaching, right? Like, yes, I had this whole little master plan of if I could just sell a few more deals and make it to the next level, then we could buy the house in Maui, then I'll go coach because I've got my two dream homes. Right? But maybe I should stop plotting and and just try stop trying to figure it all out myself and lean into that value. I, I say, I tr- I've said since I was probably 10 years old, oh, I trust the universe. I trust the universe. But it was like, there was this underlying agenda of, I trust the universe, but there's a footnote. I'm going to do it my way. Right. right. And so I've not been working with, I've been working against and and and, and what that that's manipulative, right? Like if, if we did that to people, we'd say, oh, that's a manipulative person. Right. We and do so, it for ourselves all the time. Right. Exactly. All the time. Right. Like, yes, I trust the universe, but I'm going to do it my way. And so yeah. all of these things kind of were happening in parallel. Um, and here we are today.
0: I got to go back and point something out because I don't even know if you realize you said it, but when you decided to tell your story, not just write the book, you had the manuscript, Mm -hmm. but like when you went to that young group of people that were about to lose their job and just like, man, you know, if they just, if I could just tell my story to them, Mm -hmm. uh, because maybe it would help them. Maybe they would see, right. right. You made a decision to tell your story from a place of service.
1: That's right. hundred percent.
0: And, you know, I always say to people, your story isn't about you. Your That's right. story is not about you. When you can learn to get out of your own way and like, not worry about what other people, but like, oh, I actually have a piece of my story that if I tell them, it's going to help them. Right. That's the right. whole thing around Share your story, shine a light. I say it all the time. That's exactly what you did. Like you made the decision to share the story from a place of service because you weren't even thinking about, like the the group of like brand new, you know, salespeople, like they didn't have the capacity of, to fire you. You weren't You weren't in danger mm-hmm. of like getting fired and having, you know, the what are people gonna think about me moment. And telling them your story, it was just like, I tell them my story because it's going to help them. It's going to get them the motivation and the you know clarity that they need to like figure out their next steps. That is so huge. And that's what people need to hear is that. And then as a result, right, you did tell your story and then all the people found out about it. And then you push, you hit publish on the book and 30 days later, all this unbelievable stuff happened for you in a positive way. Hello. Like, That's what is so cool is that it's the freedom, right? The freedom Mm -hmm. that comes from finally sharing the story and removing it from that deep, dark corner and keeping the lid on it and living that very out of alignment and authentic storyline. Like that's why you were out of alignment because you had this big piece of you that you weren't sharing with people. Totally. Fast, you know, the minute you got into alignment and you showed up authentically, the more people are like oh we need her like she's got to go to this level now because she's going to be the one that can do the thing right like that's what really happens is we just kind of like all the chains start to break away in that's that right. moment totally. how free did that feel for you to finally have this story this deal maker this book this story all of it out there And you couldn't control who's going to read it, who's going to buy it. Couldn't control it, right?
1: right? Well, there's been a lot of breathing, right? I'm still (laughs) learning how to take it in, in moments, right? There's been just, there's been so much outreach, which I never imagined that has been so cool. I mean, people, you know, via like a quick little LinkedIn, like, hey, I was, you know, former customers from those days were like, I remember you journaling in the back corner of the club on a slow night. I always knew this day would come. Like, I'm proud of you. I've been watching. I've been like, no idea. You know, at the same time as a deal lead, we didn't. You know, for a while, I reported directly to a different series of CEOs that came in and out of that big company. Some of them reached out and were like, you know, I always knew your, I always knew there was more to your story. I always knew there was something. There was outreach from folks who were like, hey, my kid is struggling. Can you talk to my daughter? Can you talk to my son? And that, I mean, that brings you to your knees, right? Tears to the eyes kind of thing. Like, I just never really thought of myself while I love to coach, I never thought somebody would want me talking to their kid or mentoring somebody. Um, but but, but the reality is like, everyone's got struggles or triumphs, right? Or adversity that they overcome in different phases. And I didn't, what I didn't see coming was when I had the courage to share my story and how I got through it, right? How it then makes the space, for other people to lean in and say, I need help too, or so-and-so needs help too. Um, so to me, that's the biggest gift in all of this is getting to have those really rich, juicy conversations, right? Because um, that's what feeds me. There's It's so easy in our world to get busy and, and to get caught up in, how are you? I'm fine. And how's the job? Oh, it's, it's fine or it's terrible. And it's very surface level. Um, but it's, it's the real authentic conversations and that share storytelling is what feeds me. Right. And now I have it in abundance. Right. Mm-hmm. Um, and I'm very, want to honor that and cherish that. And a lot of that, the fulcrum of that was the book, right? Well, no wonder I never felt seen or really connected before. Cause I wasn't all in, mm-hmm. right. I was playing, I was playing it safe, which meant really I was on the sidelines of my own life. Mm. I don't want to play on the sidelines. Like I want to be center stage. Yeah. Um, with everything that comes with, right, the rotten apples and the missed lines and um, you know wardrobe malfunctions, whatever <laughs> it may be, but um, but I, I'm I'm here for all of it.
0: Ah, that is so beautiful. That is so, and I really do. I mean, you know, I we talk a lot at Light Beamers and people go write their book or get on a stage or you know launch the podcast, tell the story, and a lot of that can be very like you know, it does a lot of things for visibility and business building and all those great things. And I'm here for that. I, I, I I, want to help with all those things, but there's such, I always say like, you know, storytelling, if you really, really, really embrace the process of going on the journey of telling your own story, it is the most beautiful personal development journey Mm -hmm. you will ever go on ever. And you know, it, like I've experienced it clients have experienced it. People I don't even know have experienced it. You've experienced it. And so, you know, again, I just, I know someone's going to hear this today and hear your story and pieces of your story that may not be the exact same as yours. They may not have worked in strict clubs, but they're holding on to something that they're ashamed to share, worried to tell, you know, they haven't found that brave. They haven't found that courage. They're stuffing it down and they might be going, huh. Maybe that's why I'm out of alignment. Maybe Mm that's why things aren't clicking. Maybe I should go back and look at that story and figure out a way to share it in a way that would bring it into the light, would share, you know, make, give, give you yourself that empowerment, like really is a self-empowerment tool and what it does for others. You know, like, again, all these people that reached out to you and the way come, come coach my kid, come talk to my kid, I mean, what, you know, for a parent to, to offer Dude. their child up to you and say, please help them. That is like, that's an ultimate compliment, right? Is. That is what storytelling can do. So I just think it's so gorgeous. I'm so happy that I got to have this conversation with you. I'm happy I got to read your book. I do want to share it again. It's called deal maker. You guys go get it. We'll link it up in, in the show notes. It's on Amazon. Um, and I know this was like, such a big deal to, you know, you're like, I wrote the book, but then it didn't tell anybody I was going to write the book or I was writing the book. You know, (laughs) we, we, we published some books this last couple of years with light beamers and helped some women to, you know, go through that process. And I told every single one of them, I'm like, you think the hardest part of writing this book is going to be the telling of your story, you know, telling your story, putting it down on paper and, and writing your chapter. Oh no, 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 no. My friends, the hardest right. part of writing a book is telling everyone you wrote a book, you know, that's really right.
1: That's, that's right.
0: It's so hard. It's so hard. Yes. It's so scary, yes. but I'm really glad to hear that you've had such a, you know, a beautiful, positive experience from it. So what is next for you? What do you want to have happen next? Here we are at the brand new year, you know, it's so the beginning of 2024. So what are you looking forward to calling in um, for yourself and for others this year?
1: Um, we, one of the things you mentioned through th- this throughout our talk, the word that kept coming up was service, right? Like I genuinely believe like, you know, the first part of my career, right? I was focused on myself. Let's be honest, right? Like I've been really selfish, like, yeah, you know, you volunteer and you give money when you can, but, but I was going to get it to the top first, right? To make sure I could do it in a big enough way. Um, and I just have new awareness, right. Over how selfish I've literally I've lived. Um, and so I just want to lean into serving more, um, in whatever capacity that looks like. Right. So sometimes it shows up as coaching, right. Mm-hmm. We talked before the microphone went on that. I want to lean into more speaking and sharing my story f- through that lens of helping people find that for themselves. Yeah. Um, you know, and I'm a big animal lover. I have four dogs, um, Um, So I'm committed to making an impact in rescue organizations and in our shelters across the country and, um, you know, and, and with the wild Mustangs that don't quite get the love and support that they need. And so I am really crystal clear that I'm very blessed to live a big and rich life in many different definitions. Um, You know, and Oprah's got a really great quote that I hold on to um, where she talks about, you know, with greatness comes a great responsibility. and so. I am really clear that the universe has supported me in many different facets in my life, in my career and finances, and that I accept and step into the responsibility that comes from to pay it forward to the causes and to the people that I want to support in this world. And that will be the legacy that I leave.
0: Mm, That is so beautiful. I love
1: that. Thank you. Uh,
0: You know, it feels really good when you can be in that place of service. You know, I say- um, all the time remind myself too, that, you know, if I'm in a bad mood or I'm having a bad day, how can I go serve somebody? How can I just go Mm -hmm. give, you know, without any expectation in return, how can I just go pour into someone else? Maybe it's my daughter, maybe it's a friend, maybe it's someone online. Maybe it's me writing a post that just like, you know, like I just want to help somebody, whatever it is, or maybe I go deliver a meal or I go Mm -hmm. work at a, at a homeless shelter for the day. I don't know, whatever it is, like, right. You know, there's like so many ways, but it it turns a bad day around, you know, unanimously every single time. Instantly. Yeah. Instantly. And so if it can turn a bad day around, what can it do for our good days? That's right. <laughs> right. Like, oh, like that's exciting to think what you will. And it's like expansion, you that's know, right. what, what will happen for you this year because you're leading with service and like, now you're aware of it. And you're like, this is what I want more of. I don't want to live from a selfish standpoint. I want to, you know, really lean into that service. So I, I look forward to seeing how that, how that unfolds for you. It's going to be Thank fun. Thank you so
1: much. And I feel like I would be remiss if not acknowledging for your audience, right? Just the role you've played in me finding my brave, right? The the universe operates in mysterious ways and there'd be you know we have good days and bad days when we're chasing our dreams and writing books and doing all of those things um and for whatever you know mystical reason on days when i was having bad days or a little stuck with something the content that you would post gave me the gift i needed in that day and so while today's our first conversation you've been a part of my life and you've been a part of this book journey speaking journey that i've been on and i want to thank you for that because the content you put out and your perspective and how you help people with your expertise um i think might be bigger than you think it's pretty pretty spectacular
0: thank you Jamie that means the world i mean it really does of um, uh, i'm i'm honored and humbled and you know like we said at the beginning, before we started recording, I mean, you're not a client of mine. We've never worked yep. together. This literally yep. is the first time we've ever spoken. And you did, you told me that beforehand, you wrote me a little note telling me that I had had such an impact on you. And I'm like, how's that possible? We've never done anything together. Like, you know, like, but I do, I do receive that. I do understand mm-hmm. that there is content that I'm putting out there and that it is great to hear that it it is, it, I'm very humbled and honored that in whatever I've said on a day that you needed to hear it, that it landed and that it helped you. And if it helped you get this book out into the world, that is like incredible. So that is my greatest um, hope and joy is knowing that, you know, I'll have clients that I get to do this work with, but almost it's like almost people like you that are not my clients, right. That are people that I get to have an impact with. And I don't even know it that that, I I don't even know. It's kind of hard to wrap your brain around it because I'm just a girl, right? I'm just a girl with, you know, doing my thing every day. And I don't think in those really big terms. So it's a reminder that we all have that capability to make an impact in the world. When we do realize we have a story to share and lead with service. And it is what drives me. I, you Mm -hmm. know, I get up every day and I'm like, there are days I don't want to show up. There's days that I'm like, I don't, I think my content's stupid. I don't even know what I'm doing anymore. Like if people are listening to me, like, you know, I, I have those negative thoughts, of course. negative words, like everybody else, but, but I do always think like, you know, there, there's, there's an image, there's like a group of women in my head that I see that I'm like, well, I got to show up for them. You know, I just got to show up for them. I like, you know, maybe, maybe they're having a bad day and something I can say might get them going in the right direction get them sharing their story. And if they share their story, it'll have a ripple effect. That's important. That's right. Like those are kind of the things that I cycle through, but I, you know, you in, in theory, right. But then to know that that really is happening. So thank you. Thank you thank, you. thank it you for is. your
1: words. Of course,
0: It really, really means a lot. And, um, I hope that that will inspire others listening to know that, you know, get yourself out there sharing because that you can have the impact too, with your words and what you, with what you put out into the world, we, we all need that, mm-hmm. you know, we need to not hide. We need to be out in plain sight and that's easier said than done. I know that, but being reminded that we can be the light beamers, we can go and share our stories, shine a light, help other people be of service and, you know, really harness the power of what we have, which is just our own personal stories.
1: That's it. I mean, you have said it so well, I mean, in my own words, when I think about the work that you embody and then ripple out into the world that that creates, um, you know, we're post COVID and work is hard and economy's up and down and there's elections. There's all the things. Right. Yeah. And so I personally believe given all of those dynamics, like people are craving authenticity right now more than yeah. ever. We might not, people might not always know how to articulate it or what it means or have different definitions, but we all know what it feels like when we're around someone or something that is authentic. And to me, that glue that creates that authenticity between people, that stories, right? And so when you find the courage to tell your story, you will proliferate authenticity and connection and kindness and service and all of those things that you just said and more um, through that sharing.
0: Amen. I could not have said it better. That's absolutely (laughs) it. Exclamation point, mic drop. That's it right there. Jamie, thank you so much for writing this book, putting your story out there. Dealmaker is the book. Jamie Conselman, uh, go check her out. Go read the book. Connect with her on Instagram. We'll link up her channels. Is there another place you want me to send anybody to?
1: LinkedIn is a good one. I do have a website, JamieConselman.com. It's just a basic, um, basic site, but LinkedIn's probably the most prolific.
0: Okay, absolutely. We'll link up her channels. Go say hello. Let her know you listened to the the show today. And just again, thank you. Thank you for being here and sharing your story and being willing to share the story so so openly now and letting it out into the light. It's really beautiful.
1: Thank you so much. Really fun chatting with you
0: today. Yeah, so fun. All right, everybody, that's it for this episode of the Inside Story. Share this episode out if you enjoyed it. Connect with Jamie on LinkedIn. And come say hello, and we'll be back here again next week for another edition of the Inside Story Podcast. And as always, use what we shared with you today to be inspiration to go and share your story and shine a light. See you next week. I hope you enjoyed today's episode. Don't forget to give it a review and share this broadcast out with your friends and family. Now, did listening to this episode make you think more about your own story? Are you wondering which parts of your own story are relevant to share with others? This is the question I get asked more than any other. How do I share my story? Which parts of my story are worth sharing with other people? How can I make my story relatable so that others can benefit from it?